title of my message is The Emotionally Fit Church. Come on. Come on. Oh, there's my man. What's his name again? The Hulk shirt. I saw you this morning, bro. Man, there's an anointing of God on your life. I saw you this morning. You were right down here. I was looking for you. I thought I saw you. But man, I just see the favor of God on your life, blessing you. You got a mama that's praying for you. And I'm just saying, stay plugged in. Watch what God's going to do. All things are possible, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You got that? Come on. So the Emotionally Fit Church. The reason I want to preach this tonight is because this church is going on a journey. We didn't hear it this morning. We had a prophet in town who was pretty much telling us. And he talked about something that was so important that I never saw before. He was talking about one encounter. And in one encounter can change everything for you. And I look back, and the reason why I was preaching this anyways is because I was looking about what my journey has been. And see, this is still part of the... Uh, you know, religion rehab and just breaking off religious spirits. And, you know, I came out of that. And part of this message is about my journey, but giving you some stuff to accelerate maybe areas where I got stuck so you don't have to. But being with the Emotionally Fit Church, the Holy Spirit's been showing me about the last two months that where he's taking us, we have to accelerate what we are willing to do and press into in a moment here. And it was such a prophetic word this morning about having an encounter. And how many know that God doesn't run out of encounters for every one of you? All throughout the Bible, there, there were encounters. And it's so important that if we press in, we can see that moment, that encounter we have. It's amazing. The devil's been using the same old tricks for eternity. And it, listen, he's not going to change up his, he's only got, he's not that creative. There's a creator and then there's the devil, okay? So he's not, he's like, oh, well, this is all I know. And he's got a little bunch of minions that if he can get out there and just discourage us long enough, we'll start believing the loudest voice. And if the enemy can have the loudest voice in our life and there's things we can do to block that voice, it's like Bose headsets, man. Put them on, turn on the noise cancelers. You just get rid of that enemy in your voice. And guess what? You start making better decisions. And when I was studying this, I read this book called uh, The Emotional Fit Test, the, or Emotionally Fit, uh, well, I don't know what it was, Emotional Fitness, whatever. It was good. But it said this thing, the study that our minds need regular exercise and training just as much as our bodies do in order to stay healthy and fit. It was amazing because most of my declarations that I've done for my life for a long time, I have little cards, mind mastery cards that I used to read every single day. I used to write down declarations and read them over my life. I remember my wife read the book by Joyce Meyer. What was the name of that book? Confident the Confident Woman. And it's like literally a month later, I have this completely different woman I'm married to, all because she had a revelation through a Joyce Meyer book. And then everywhere I went, she had declarations written and posted about how she is the voice for the next generation. And the truth is, she didn't believe it. But she would sit there in tears saying it. And I'm telling you, that's what she's walking in now. And so no matter where you're at, you can shift it in a moment in one encounter. And so I was like, emotional fitness, what a concept. And I remember reading the book, The Fourth Dimension by David Yonggi Cho. He has the largest book, uh, book, he has a lot of books. He has the largest church in the world, up to a million members in his church. Right now it's about 850,000 members fluctuating up and down, like more connect groups than you could ever think about. To put it in perspective, his church 
is the size of North County. The population of North County is about 800,000. There's 3.3 million people in all of San Diego County, but in North County, it's the size of his church in South Korea. Is that not crazy? They have a prayer mountain that has a minimum 5,000 people at any point in time. That's like we go down to Cal's Mountain, you gotta wait in line to go up it. (laughs) Cal's Mountain has a, a couple hundred people and they call that too busy to hike. But 5,000 people minimal, it's had up to 20,000 people at a time just taking their prayer requests up, praying for people. So it's like everyone has a book of miracles and they're hiking this mountain seeking God. But guess what? They're having miracles, cancer, tumors, things are falling off people the minute they step up the mountain. That's the type of faith we're talking about. And what I love about the story, and I've probably mentioned it before about Yang Yichuo and his book, everyone was so enamored because he spent you know, up to three hours in prayer. Started off as the two hours in prayer, and he wanted to know how to crack the million person mark. And he was just talking about, man, I need our church to grow and I need more people to understand it. Hired the greatest consultants in the world. They're coming through and they're looking at things. And they did all this analysis, and they finally say, yeah, you got to cut out some of your prayer. And then uh, this is where you can fit and do this and this. It was very, you know, very smart. And he goes, thank you for your input. And uh, here's your $20,000 check for your consulting over the last three weeks. And they said, they said, what are you going to do? And he goes, oh, I decided I'm going to cross this out, this out, and I'm going to add one more hour to prayer. And that's how breakthrough <laughs> happened. Okay? That was one story. But then so many people were enamored by his prayer life. They're like, oh, that's, that's so amazing that you pray and seek God like that. And he goes, do you really think I'm praying because of the things God does for me? I'm praying because I used to pray, I don't know, four hours a day when I was Buddhist. And yet there was no fruit. So for me, it was a discipline that he learned when he was Buddhist with no fruit. He took the same discipline, and now there's fruit behind it because he's praying to the real King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. But the revelation was everyone was enamored with his prayer life, but he just made it a discipline. And then when he found the one true king, everything else was added unto him. So it's pretty amazing, his story. So why are we preaching this? See, I've been to different churches now preaching. I've been to even our other campuses preaching. And what I realized is the emotional fitness level of this church is how fast God's gonna accelerate us individually into what the next season is of our life. See, we have the responsibility that God has blessed us with a 75,000 square foot building just down the road off San Marcos, the old Ashley Furniture Store. And we are in a, a season of accelerated growth and favor. And, and we had a prophetic word this morning at the nine, and literally, Pastor David McCracken in the green room was like, hey, I, I'm really feeling rebuked in my spirit because I didn't give the full word. And he was really nervous because he thought maybe he didn't want to give a word. It's not his place if, if I was leaving this church. But he felt like he kept hearing like he's going to be going somewhere. There's going to be massive growth, and it's north of the north. But he didn't want to say that in front of the whole congregation. He just prophesied there was going to be growth, and he was accelerated growth and all this kind of stuff. In the green room, he's like, okay. He was conflicted because he wanted to call Pastor Jurgen and say, hey, this is really what God's showing me, but I want to. And I said, no, man, we just bought a building right up the street. And he goes, oh, my Lord. Oh, that's it. That's it. Praise God. But he said it was going to be such revival up here and such an accelerated growth. And, and let me tell you, it's every one of you are involved in it. See, what happens is, as we become an emotionally fit church, that means we're preparing for the 
fruit that's going to be coming off of that, meaning we, like, I love the fact that Bliss got up here and preached that, that we could look out and find other people that want to come give a tithe message because of the fruit in their life around the tithe, that people want to get up here and grab the book of miracles and just rip it up and, and be praying and believing and, and really having weight behind holding that book, knowing that there's lives in there that don't have a tomorrow until they get their ticket punched in prayer and they get healed tonight because of a church that believes in the super supernatural miracles of heaven. That's what I'm talking about. But when you get people, like we never want to go through the motions here. My dad's name is that book. You think I want you all going through the motions praying for my dad? No, but there's other men and women and sons and daughters that want that same passion to be prayed with and believe that all things are possible. When we come to church, why are we coming to church? What is it a check the box? Is it because you had nothing better to do? Is it what what was the idea that I'm even gonna come back? twice on a Sunday. Why would you come back unless you had an expectation in your spirit that God was going to do something in your life? And what happens is we don't play church. This emotional fit church isn't about playing church. It's not about putting on the mask and going through the motions. And it's amazing how we can let maybe little offenses. Oh, someone offended me at church. It took you out. Then how, how deep down were your roots in the first place? The little wind blew. I'm telling you, emotional fitness has to make sure those roots are going down deep, unshakable, unshakable. So I want to get into that. So some of the stuff is this. This is about my journey of being locked up and getting free. And no matter what, you know, just chew up the meat and spit out the bones. But God has an accelerated plan for your life to build that emotional fitness on the inside of you like a muscle, but it's your mind and your soul and your spirit that's going to get a workout tonight. So anything that I say that can trigger maybe where you're stuck, I want you to write it down. The end of this service, I want you to be able to bring it to the altar, and I don't care if we get waste buckets or whatever, I'll have my team do something. I didn't even prep for it, so I know it's in the spirit. Write that thing down and you're going to drop it in. It's done tonight. It's done tonight because what can't happen is if you're going to plant a seed of faith tonight, we have to have the expectation that there will be a harvest. Now, how long until you have that harvest is up to you and what you're willing to believe it to be. See, we know that if I plant grapes today, because I grew up with a family that planted lots of vineyards, I know in three years from now I'm going to have my first crop. That's in the natural. But in the supernatural, we have to go with a different set of plans. And those are supernatural. God is outside of time. Three years to him could have happened in a moment. For us to understand, let's not take what we've been thinking and where we've been stuck, but let's unlock it today and reap the harvest tomorrow, next week. How bad do you want breakthrough? See, when we do things in the supernatural, I'm saying I went after for a house that I felt in my spirit because I was faithful. I went after my house and nothing lined up. Thank goodness for a mom that believed in it. There's been things along the way. When I bought my new car, I had the exact price when I woke up from a dream that I was willing to pay. And the guy that was going to the auction to get it thought I was crazy. Yet now he's been to church because of my faith. It wasn't that I was coming up with random numbers, and I was leaning into the Holy Spirit. I want to live a supernatural life, but it didn't start that way when I came to this house. And I don't want you to take six years like it took me to finally have the revelation. Okay, I came to this house since day one it started. 
but I had brokenness on the inside of me. I had lack of trust issues on the side of me. I had all sorts of stuff that God healed along the way, but it doesn't have to take that long. Hence, I'm going to give you the hacks to the emotional fitness thing that can get you accelerated so we get out of this thing, this wheel spin, and put the rubber to the road in this thing called faith and what Jesus wants to do in your life. I love the fact that it, every week at Tuesday morning prayer, I get to hear God's stories of men over and over and over that are a shot in the arm of faith for me that get me accelerated in my own journey. And that same thing is true tonight. So my first point is called, when I came to this house, the first thing that happened, I got unclogged. I had to recognize where I was at. So if you go to your house and you know the toilet's backing up, guess what you gotta first do before you flush it again? Recognize it's clogged. Yeah, come on. If you don't, guess what? It's going to get messy. Yeah. Mine was a religious spirit, which I can tell you so much of it in the Western United States is religiosity is a thing. Religiosity is a thing. So if you're feeling just a little triggered, write it down. We're going to break a religious thing tonight. What is religion? Religion is a man in church that's thinking about surfing, thinking about fishing, thinking about the beach when he's trying to hear about God. Relationship is a man surfing, fishing, hanging at the beach, but all he can think about is God. What are the symptoms of a religious spirit? I know what they were in my life, and I see it a lot when I see people first come in. It's called intimacy anorexia. They believe in God, therefore they come to church. They check the box. The first time I said that I realized that I was emotionally and intimately anorexic with my savior is when I felt a check, I think I wanna go back to the 5 p.m. <laughs> Do you know the first time I, I was going to church is only because my mom was calling at noon. And I didn't wanna have to disappoint my mom and tell her, no, I didn't feel like going. I was hungover, I was too busy. I was up all night, whatever lame excuse I had. But what happened was when I started to realize that I had that religious thing that was being broken off and I realized that I was really having an anorexic, intimate relationship with Christ that he wanted to fill me up, it's, my first thought was I'm going back to the five. It was a thought that I went back to the five and I was like, wow, I felt like I got an infusion. Yeah. And then God started to show me, yeah, in the morning, I'm gonna clean you up and then when you're coming back, I can speak to you because you're in a better headspace. And I started hearing my first prophetic words. But I'm telling you, I had to get unclogged first. If we can put up Romans 11:6, I love the Passion translation, if we have it. And since it's by God's grace, it can't be a matter of their, their good works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift of grace, but earned by human effort. See, we gotta start to understand, have the revelation of what really grace looks like. If we can go on to Romans 4, Four through five, I love this verse as well. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earned it, the next verse says. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. I'm telling we try to work our way towards a thing and I was working trying to get God's love through how good I was. And every time I'd mess up or slip up or break down, I would get guilt and shame and the devil would work me over to the point where I wouldn't get up on Sunday because of what an idiot it was on Saturday. 
and out of guilt and shame. But God was begging me, come on, come back to my house. Come back to my house. Get in worship. Come on, come to the altar. Come on, let me clean you up, son. I love you. See, it wasn't until I had a pastor that pastored me that I understood God's love. And when I realized God loved me so much, he wanted to clean me up and make me look good again and set me back up on the, on the platform of my life that I started to heal on the inside. And once I started to heal on the inside, knowing it was grace that got me here, not my works, not how good I was, not how many times I opened the Bible that week and I'd get thrown off every other day, everything else was more important at the time. Wasn't until then I realized, I'll be saying, God loves me that much, he's gonna give me another go. And he'll pick me up and clean me up over and over and over again. And I think it's so important that do not let the devil beat you up try to beat you down and get you feeling sorry for yourself that he takes you out of coming to Tuesday morning prayer or Thursday morning prayer or going to a freedom night or going through a breakthrough night. What happens is we got to fight our ways. If we're putting on a freedom night this week, guess what? You get to that freedom night. Freedom nights are for, man, deliverance and breakthrough. You got to fight your way there because the devil's going to do everything he can because he doesn't want you free. He doesn't want you feeling liberated like, no, he wants you to feel guilty and shamed on and beat down, so you stay one more day feeling pathetic. But God didn't create you as his son and daughter to feel that way. Called you to be set free, to be the light of the world, to be an attraction, to get other people set free with his anointing and power. So number one, I realized that, what was my plan? I started just reading the book of Ephesians, and stuff started coming alive when I would read the book of Ephesians. The second thing I would do is anytime from critical spirits, because I came from that religious background. When I started judgy, I got a little judgy. I realized I had to repent. It's amazing, even as a pastor now, my wife and I talk about it all the time, is you're just around Christians all the time. I said, no, 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 babe, let's go out to the river house and let's make sure we get on a sandbar and I wanna look for the Montley crew out there and I wanna be able to still be relatable to them. And it's amazing because we pick up our little Christianese slogans and we're slapping high fives with all our bros and where we're at, but I'm not in that season. I know who I am. Yeah. And in that season, you're, you're right. You want to be around your brothers and sisters that can lift you up. But once you get that sure thing on the inside of you, we can't get all Christianese. It's all we know how to talk about. And I realized, how did I recognize in my own life when I started getting there? I would realize I would get critical. I'm like, oh, man, check that guy out, man. Oh, my gosh. Piercing right between his eyebrows. What's he going to do? Hang some laundry on it? I mean, I, I just realized that critical spirit was the wrong spirit. And I'd be like, who am I? God, I thank you, Lord, that you love that guy. God, that you want me to go meet him right now. That you want me to buy him coffee right now. And I'm telling you, every time I hear that critical spirit, you know what it does now? It costs me money because I want to go bless him. So I buy him lunch, I buy him dinner, I buy him a Starbucks, wherever it is. The minute I hear the dialogue that the devil wants me to have about God's son or God's daughter, I go over and I bless him. But it's, I'm not blessing him for him. I'm blessing him for me because I know I got to get my heart back in the right spot. We have a beach. I was just thinking, I was looking at a beach full of people on Saturday going, man, I want them to know that we are C3 and we love them. We want them to play our volleyball game. We want them to come over and meet all our kids. And you know what? It is, it is empowering to know that God's going to send us out to save us, to pull them in and save those that are lost. I'm telling you, let's celebrate on a Sunday that we're here getting full of the word. We're getting our praise on. We're getting prophetic words. But let's not just sit back and become fat Christians. Let's get out and save those that have no clue what's going on in life. They need the gospel. You know, I love this, you know, 
pray declarations. So I'm giving you some stuff. How do you get unclogged? You recognize it, pray declarations. Keith Kraft, you know, just had a heart attack. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Keith Kraft, he was here for our men's conference and he has Sherpa blood, which means, you know, the Sherpas, they can go to the top of Mount Everest. They don't need oxygen because their blood's so thick. So he didn't have a heart problem. He had a blood problem. It got so thick. He had a massive heart attack for an hour and he went to the hospital they go, oh my gosh, you're, they, they're like, no, you look fit, you look fit. No, you're probably not, just probably a rib out or something. They did all these tests. They freaked out. He was in the middle of a massive heart attack. What I love about him, he doesn't have pride or ego. He's telling his church, you guys pray for me. And it was, you know, he, God had told them, him for his church, it was gonna be a, there was gonna be miracles in June for his church. Miracles. He just didn't know the miracle was for him. Went into the ICU. They ran through every test. They put a stent in his heart. It was 100% blocked for more than an hour. And they said there's going to be massive damage. So he prayed against it. And he sent me the prayer. And he says, you need to tell your church, I don't know what you're preaching on. He sent it to me on Thursday. He said, I don't know what you're preaching on, but God told me to send this to you. I said, oh, that's funny. But it was the declaration. So he pulled himself and he had a little talk with himself. And this is what he said. I talked to my body, specifically my heart, and said, we might be turning 60 in November, but you're gonna get stronger, and the demands I place on you are not gonna change. We are going to defy age. We're gonna get stronger and stronger. God gave me to you to be my heart. He knew what he had called us to do in this earth. Body, you do not decide what we are going to do. We, spirit, soul, and body will be led and empowered by the Spirit of God. This is only half time. We're going into the future more powerful than the last 60 years. So get ready, get reset, and let's grow like never before. We don't give in to sickness. We are not dissuaded by setbacks. When we have a setback, we do not take a step back for we get ready for a major comeback. Someday this life in this side of eternity will be over, but that's not now. So we, spirit, soul, and body will rest. We are not resting because we are tired. We are resting because we are recharging. We are recharging. Once we, spirit, soul, and body are recharged, we will move forward supernaturally like never before. This, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, to do super abundantly more than is all that we dare ask or think, our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians. (laughs) Stayed in that hospital 24 hours. They released him the next day saying, you have no damage on your heart whatsoever. We've never released someone from the ICU with a major heart attack to go back to their life because they have to go through rehab, all this kind of heart stuff. He had nothing. They released him, 0% damage whatsoever. He got his miracle in the name of Jesus. My second point is unchained. I had to get unclogged and I had to get unchained. There's three major areas I had to get unchained in. Number one was soul ties. You can have soul ties in close relationships, in inner vows, commitments, or promises, Sexual relationships. I love this in Proverbs 6, 2. If we could put that up. I think we have it. Proverbs 6, 2. Maybe. Come on. You will be trapped by your promise and legally bound to the agreement. So listen carefully to my advice. Did I go further than that or did I just give you that one? 
I just gave you that one. So it goes on. You could read that up. Read the whole chapter on Proverbs 6, 2. And then it goes on to tell you the things that you need to do for advice. But it's be careful what you make an agreement with. It becomes a soul tie that will keep you bound and locked up. It's like I saw this dog the other day while running attached to a fence. And so bad that thing wanted to get me. But it was chained to that fence. And the Holy Spirit said, that was you when you came to C3. You wanted so badly, but you were chained to that thing that you couldn't break free into all that I had for you. It wasn't until Pastor Jurgen had a word of knowledge, broke a soul tie in deliverance. First John 4, 4, if we could put that up in the translation, passion translation. Little children, you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them for the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. In the next one, it's 1 John 5, 4. I wanna read that to you so you can see the context. You see every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. See, the second thing I had to do in that getting unchained was deliverance. I needed some deliverance in some areas. That's why we put on the Freedom Night. See, I grew up in church. They never talked about soul ties. They never talked about deliverance. They never talked about demonic oppression. That's why I love when Pastor Lucas Connell came last week and just preached his face off, altars full. But those of you that had the chance, go download a Freedom Experience. It's 21 days to build a habit. How many of you did that? Just honestly, it's great on you, man. I'm telling you, it just builds this habit of the word of God with some prayers and declarations to build new habits in your life to make sure once you're set free that you stay free because the devil needs you bound and chained up so you can't walk into your destiny and your future and you are called to rule and reign in this world. And you just gotta know that and believe it. The third area was forgiveness. And there's three areas that I want you to think about that you're gonna write down Then when I open up this altar. If you need to throw it in that can and let my ministry team pray over you, we're gonna do that because the number one area is forgive others. If there's someone that's triggered you, how do you know it's triggered? When you say their name or you see their Instagram or you see a picture, <laughs> just forgive them. Life's too short because you know what? It's like you drinking poison expecting them to die or them to get sick or them to, you hope their life sucks like yours. You know, don't. Just break that and cancel that because then you get unchained and you walk in freedom. The second part is forgive yourself. And the third one is forgive God. You know, I had a girl that was really close to me when I was young that she got renal cell carcinoma and died. A Christian loving girl, renal cell carcinoma is for men over 50. I watched what her family went through. I fought for her. I prayed for her. I didn't know how to pray back then. I didn't know the authority I had. I didn't know anything. But I remember them saying, I kept saying, why God? Why God? And I realized when I got prayed for and delivered and I was walking through the forgiveness experience, God's like, well, do you forgive me yet? I'm like, forgive you for what? And then he reminded me of that poor little girl, Ashley, that died. And I felt like I couldn't save her. I couldn't do anything. I felt inept and I blamed God. I didn't even know that because I suppressed it. And the devil wanted to put blind spots up over me so I would never get to that root because if I had that root in there, he could keep triggering me. He could keep triggering me and it never got me into freedom. The minute God highlighted it, I said, God, highlight every dark area of my life that I suppressed, that I pushed away, that I turned off. I don't want you to light it up, but show me. Boom, Ashley. The minute I just gave that at the altar and said, God, forgive me, boom, freedom. I felt freedom. I slept with peace for the first night. Any anxiety or torment, it was gone in the name of Jesus that night. So listen, what are you tied to that keeps you bound? You want to break free. You desire to. You know you want to. 
but you feel chained? Is it one of those three areas? And then I want you to write this down. I unchain myself from people on, and you put the date. If you're not ready tonight, go to men's prayer, go to women's prayer on Thursday, and then, but you write this down, you fill in the date that you got free from whoever you need a forgiveness, who you needed to forgive. Doesn't make them right, it just makes you free. I unchain myself from people on this date. I unchain myself from myself on this date. Who wants to get free tonight? Come on. I unchain myself from God on this date. This means you forgave God, you forgave yourself, and you forgave others. You write it down, you never forget it. I put it in the front of my Bible. You know why? Because there will be a day that the devil comes to taunt you. He was, I can't use that word. He was, I can't use that word either. He was dumb enough to even come to Jesus to taunt him. And Jesus says, it is written. The front of your Bible, you write it down so you can remind the devil, it's written. I forgave so-and-so that day. I forgave myself on that day. I forgave God on that day. I am walking in total freedom. Devil, you're a liar, and I have freedom. And you know what? You can take a knee. You've already been defeated. It is finished. Did I need to remind you? Don't forget your authority. Last one is unlocked. How do you talk to yourself? I had to get unlocked. Your life, who you are, what you think, what you love is the sum of what you focus on. What are you focused on? Maybe it's not what you want to focus on, but you're focusing on something. God wants to shift that tonight. You know, the world calls it mindfulness. God calls it renewing your mind. Romans 12, 2. Let's put these up. Romans 12, 2. I want you to read them out loud because I want to shift something right now. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The next one is Philippians 4, 8. Let's put that one up. I want rapid fire. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is in anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Ephesians 4, 23. I want you to hear, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The next one is Colossians 3, 2. Just want you to unlock something tonight. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. It's a mind game. Forget the mindfulness. This is just the renewing on the word of God. How do you talk to yourself? I'm just gonna tell you real quickly and then I'm gonna finish this and we're gonna pray. This is what I do. I just know this is what I do that I've helped other people. I've helped men walk this out. Number one is I carve out time first thing in the morning. I read just a devotional. It unlocks something for me. I read a word of God devotional. Number two, in the shower. I'm getting awake, I turn it on cold and I get in gratitude. If I feel my mind clogged up, I go to gratitude. I go to gratitude. That's in the shower every morning. It's a root, it's a trigger for me, my anchor for me. I just get up and I do my thing in my sauna, then I go in my shower and I get gratitude because I hope you're taking a shower daily. So you get to gratitude daily. It was hot here this morning and I appreciated every one of you that took a shower last night, but listen, 
Every time you take a shower, you get to gratitude. Then when I get in my car and driving, I gamify my life. When I gamify my life, every stoplight, I prophesy thankfulness, the things I'm thankful for, and I prophesy what my day is gonna be. So I learn how to prophesy over my life every stoplight until I get to my office every single day. Everywhere I drive, I'm prophesying every stoplight. I put worship music on the car when I feel I'm in a funk. I have three songs every time. Newsboy, song number three, it is he, let's go, boom. Alexa, come on, give me some Newsboy. Song number three, it is he, boom. Anytime, that's my funk song. I know, it's old school, I'm sorry. I'll try to get into the new vibe. NF just makes me angry right now. I just want to lift something. Dominate, 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 Jesus, okay. It's worship music in the car. Every time I eat, I'm, when we're praying, my kids, I'm teaching, we're praying for provision and covering. Awesome. And then when I go to bed, it's sleep. It's H2F2, H2F2. I'm like Forrest Gump, I break it down. It's health and my house. It's my family and my finances. Every night before I go to bed, H2F2, H2F2. That's just my triggers. I know when I wake up, I get to gratitude. I get in my car and I prophesy. I gamify the prophecy game. I put worship music on. I pray over my food because it's just provision and covering over my life. And then when I go to sleep, I just know it's my health, it's my house, it's my family and my finances. God bless it all in the name of Jesus. And number three, I get unlocked. It's that, and I told you that, but it's trusting. And my wife preached it this morning. It was so beautiful. And the scripture is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, not in some of them, submit it to him and he will make your path straight. If you feel like you're just off your path, give it all to him. He'll make it straight again. Because then she talked about tithing is trusting equals testing equals truth because you trusted him. Do you trust him today? God did not give us a spirit of fear, but by the Holy Spirit, he gave you power, love, and self-control. Which one do you need the most help in tonight? I'm gonna read this verse and as I do this, I just wanna tell you that I got unclogged, I got unchained, and then I got unlocked. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit is one of the most important things you can do. 30 years as a Christian, it never happened for me. I had the word, a Logos word, but I came here and I found the Rhema word through the Holy Spirit that gives me discernment and wisdom and shows me things I never saw before. You need to, no matter what your theology, get with one of us pastors to help you get unclogged in that thinking because the devil wants you bound and does not want you operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You must in this house, if you're, it, honestly, I just will see that the choking of what God can do in your life if you're not operating fully unchained. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is what unlocked me to rule in this life to see things I would have never said that I could see before. To have boldness to go in a hospital and pray for my friend. To believe that I'm flying up to see my dad and I'm not going up there to hug him goodbye. I'm going up there to declare victory that his heart is healed in the name of Jesus. I'm going down swinging for every last breakthrough in my life. And guess what? Every one of you have that same opportunity for that breakthrough, for that provision, for the dreams to come become a reality. But you cannot be suppressed by the enemy who comes to choke life out of us. But we're called to live life and life more abundantly. So I'm gonna read this verse. Worship team, you can come up. I'm just gonna read this verse and I'm gonna pray over us. Listen, the whole caveat to this whole thing is if you don't know Jesus, my three points don't matter. 
This whole thing doesn't matter. We're not here trying to attach you to a religion. We're here trying to get you to a relationship with our creator that created you. His name is Jesus who died on the cross for your and my sins to help us walk in this life and spend eternity. Listen, like this is, this little fleck is now. This is eternity. Knowing Jesus gets you set up for eternity. There's a lot of good people. But who draws the line and where the goodness factor is? I bought one more stuff, stuff, you know, someone at Starbucks, one more cup than the other person they were in, I was out. It's Jesus who gets us to heaven. It's a free gift, you can't earn it. So if you don't know Jesus, anyone on my high team, we have books for you, we, have, we wanna pray with you. You can come down and say that when you're getting ministered tonight. I wanna know Jesus, I want a relationship. But tonight, as I read this, I just wanna open up the altars. I want you to be able to just say, pray for me. I'll pray for you, I'll be down here. I want us to level up to become the emotional fit church that we are called to be. I feel the burden of proof knowing, and it's not a burden, it's excitement. I'm, let me rephrase that. I'm pumped out of my mind to do life with you at an unstoppable level. As long as we can get unclogged, we can get unchained, Come on, we can get unlocked. We're unstoppable. Let me read Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified. Now to him who is able, like Keith Craft said, left that hospital supernaturally healed in the name of Jesus. Every area of your life can flourish because to now, to him who is able, he is able to supernaturally more than we could do or think, infinitely more our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams more, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church of Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.